0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: If you turn to Genesis chapter 19 this evening, Genesis chapter 19, I was uh, working on this message through the couple weeks here and was working on it again yesterday and I said to myself, I said, I I should back this up, you know, just in case something's happened. You know, I like to share it to all of my devices, and I didn't. I said, no, I'll be good. I got up this morning, and my computer was dead as a doornail. I was like, are you kidding me? And then I'm like, I can't stress out about it because uh, I got teens... Sunday school class that I got to do, and I'm like, I can't go in there stressed. I mean, they're already stressful enough. They don't need me to be stressed. You know what I mean? That, that, that's a group in itself that you got to get them just excited just, just to be up. They're always looking like they're sleeping at five o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, come on. So I was like, well, maybe the Lord was trying to tell me, um, maybe there's something else I would have you to, to preach tonight. So I took it as that, but I still prayed and said, Lord, please, when I get home, may this laptop work, and it did, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. I thought I was going to be there this in the afternoon um, preparing and preaching. I didn't want to preach something that I have preached in the past. I, I like to keep it fresh and just think about what the Lord would have me to preach. I, I actually preached the first part of this message probably about a month ago in Genesis chapter 19, and Abraham and Lot and uh, or Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and I thought, you know what? I need to preach the second part of that. You know, that way it keeps going. Actually, there's actually four parts to this message. So this is the second part of a four-part message, but I, I thought, you know, um, I would continue in that series. In Genesis chapter 19, if you found that th- this evening, please say amen. amen. We're gonna look at verse eight because of time. I'm gonna review from the previous message, and then I'm going to go into what the Lord's laid on my heart to to give you this evening. But in Genesis chapter 19, beginning at verse number 8, it says this, Behold now, I have two daughters. Can you imagine? I have two daughters, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them unto you. Now, isn't it a daddy supposed to keep men from his daughters? Not give his daughters to men? That's why you don't want to get yoked up in the world. You'll be doing things that are unchristian, you know, that are unnatural for a father, that are unnatural for a mother. That they're just unnatural for a human being. But you see, that's how we get blinded in the world. This is just one example of how far a righteous man Went. I don't want you to ever think, I hope you're not one of those Christians that think, that could never be me. You see, you get yoked up with the world, you won't even know what you is. Or you'll be strung out, you'll be flung out, and quite frankly, you'll be clueless. See, the girls you used to be fussing, telling them to get into the house, they'll be the ones you'll offering to throw out of the house. Now, I actually didn't intend to say all that, but I'm not going to apologize for it. See, I have two daughters, which I have not known man, two virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. Let me facilitate the loss of their purity as their father. That's what he's saying there. Do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Do whatever you want to do to my daughters, but don't mess with these angels. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. That's when you know you're caught up in the world, when hospitality means more than purity. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will will needs to be a judge. Now will we deal worse with they than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Has thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in thy city, bring them out of this place. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to be here this evening, Father. Thank you for the people, Lord, that you have here. Lord, I ask now, Lord, that you would empty me of self, fill me with your spirit. Hide me behind the cross, Father, and I allow your church to see Jesus. I pray, Father, that I can be an encouragement to someone. I pray, Father, that I can be able to share some, some wisdom, Father, from you, Lord, to your people. I pray to young people here under the sound of my voice, Father, that their ears would be attentive, Father, that they would heed to what you would have for them tonight. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would leave this place and all of us would leave this place, Father, fresh and anew. But now, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would be glorified and lifted up. We love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Genesis 19 was a long time ago. But the stuff in that chapter is still happening today. I mean, it's getting worse I mean, it's getting worse. I mean, so much worse that it's becoming normal. That's what's happening to Christianity today. Uh, we've grown into embraces of carnality, a, a, a climatic to the world's culture, okay, with foolishness. I mean, tired of fighting, weary with arguing, and, and absolutely refusing to be an outcast. So instead, sin runs rampant, and the children of God are okay with it. See, don't you ever, ever think that lot. Li- got mysteriously mysteriously drawn into this. He got caught into a whirlwind. I mean, he was the subject of bad fate and there was nothing he could have ever done about it. Lot didn't belong there. Lot didn't have to stay there. Lot, my friend, never had to end how it ended because he was there. He was a child of God. He was a righteous man. He was near one of the greatest servants of the Almighty God. And yet Abraham goes with a wonderful story and Lot with a horrible demise. That could be you. That could be me. See, Abraham and Lot got their righteous from the same place. Did you hear me? Every Christian gets their righteousness from the same place. If you didn't get it from Jesus, you didn't get it. See, every one of us that gets saved gets saved from the same place. He's washed in the same blood. He's indwelled in the same Holy Spirit. Gets led with the same Bible. Going to the same heaven. And, but it's possible to be righteous And be a friend of the world. Here he is. And back to back, God gives us two chapters. One showing us what the friend of God is and looks like. And then two showing us what a friend of the world looks like. I oppose this question to each of us. Which one are you? What does the friend of the world look like? Well, uh, as I mentioned before and last week, a settled cardinality. See, God sends angels there. And they are filled with task messengers At a time moment, see, Lot was in a place where God was not comfortable going. When you befriend the world, you're in a place where God is not comfortable going. He went in the dark because he thought that was about time to go there. He went at night because he didn't want to go in the thick of the day when everybody was doing what they were doing. See, listen to me. When you're living for God, you don't have to worry about God creeping up on you. So you're expecting him at a normal time because he's your friend. And we look how Abraham responded to God's arrival. The, the telling mode, see, of Lot is that he sat at the gate. He just wasn't living in Sodom. He was working for them. That is the discretion of a child of God. You look towards the world, you end up in the world, and then the next thing you know, you're working for the world. Your, your livelihood is from the world. You notice these turbulent mindsets. He had a turbulent mindset, and then he had thoughtful manners. That's what I talked about. The last time I spoke of Lot, he invited them in. Yes, he did. And he was very gracious with them. He was very genuine with them. I mean, if you would, he he said, come on in. But listen, his motives was this. I don't want you to see where I live. I, I don't want you to be around the stuff that I'm around. I'm not comfortable with you tuning in in a day in my life. So I'm going to rush you in and I'm going to get you out of these streets as fast as I can. See, listen, I play it off because I'm living a life that I chose to live, but I'm not comfortable with the representatives of God watching in on me. Preacher, how do I know if I'm a friend of the world? Well, I'll tell you how. You know if you're a friend of the world? If you're not comfortable with God and his people hanging out with you there. I mean, if you, what you do in your spare time, I mean, what you do in your habitual time, I mean, if where you go on your weekends and who you run with in your spare time, if you're not comfortable with God being there, and by the way, we already find out in this passage that that God wasn't comfortable showing up there, so he didn't show up. But these are messengers of God, and by the way, I'm a messenger of God. See, friends of God don't get nervous when messengers of God show up. (laughs) Here come the pastor. Ah, here comes so-and-so. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, here comes whats your name I mean, if you're always looking over your shoulder, you ain't doing something right. I mean, if you're always trying to get Christian people in and out as fast as you can, I mean, I've seen people, people try to rush me. <laughs> By the way, when they try to rush me, that's when I slow down on purpose. You know, they use like, I Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, preacher, I, I know you're going somewhere. Uh, it's okay where you're going. I, I know you got somewhere you have to go to. Uh, oh, look, look, don't slow, don't slow down for me. What you got cooking over there? What, what you doing over there? What, what's that device you're picking up over there? Um, wait a minute. Did you just turn off that, that, that radio station over there? What, what were you just listening to? Yeah, see, that's that's what happens. (laughs) See, we try to hit the button so fast because we don't want anybody to see it. See, that's Lot. Get in here. See, and it looks like Lot is just being such a wonderful host. No, no. You know what Lot is? He's an embarrassed Christian. And he should have been. I said he should have been a child of God. Befriending the world ought to make him embarrassed. Why? Because it was a subtle carnality. There was not only subtle carnality, but a sinful climate. And this is where we'll pick up this evening's message. Old folk and young folk. One of the most discouraging things is that we are seeing in America happen before our very eyes. It's not necessarily new sins, but the old sins. But what's so discouraging about it is that these old sins now are being practiced by young folk. And there was a day when that stuff we see today, we saw, but we didn't see it so young. I said, we didn't see it so young. And nowadays, I mean, when we're coming up, if the kid said, huh, what, yeah, you would have thought he lost his mind. Now, if a kid says, huh, yeah, or what, we say, such a well-mannered child, which, by the way, is not well-mannered. Years ago, I heard someone say, I can't believe somebody would have their kids say yes ma'am and no ma'am. That's just crazy. Shame if the secular military has a higher standard than the spiritual Christians. See, the Lord's army ought to have higher standards than the world's army, but and there it is, still something good about saying yes sir and and, yes ma'am and and please and thank you. It's not about treating kids like slaves. It's treating them to respect authority and have good manners. And by the way, we'll take them further even in the world. Now, these three or four-year-olds will cuss you out. I, I mean, I'm talking about cuss you out. And they're not saying, oh, excuse my French. I mean, they will put an eloquent sentence together. And you wonder where they get it from. That's because their parents are, are cussing them out. I saw a mother cussing her child out in the store, and you wonder why the child acts the way that he acts. See, I'm trying to preach this evening, but one of the things that I can't stand is to go out in the world and watch a grown mother with her daughter. Trying to look like her. Trying to bop like her. Trying to twist like her. And act a fool with her. Why? Because if you're my daughter, and I'm your mother, and we both engage in the same sins, then we don't just have to be mother and daughter. We can be best friends. Why? God didn't give you kids to be best friends. God gave you kids to be their authority. I mean, to enforce righteousness in the home. They'll get friends. And by the way, when you get older, you'll be good friends. But these comes a time when they need to know that you're not my friend, you're not my buddy, you're not my homie, you're not my road dog. And we're not going to share mini skirts. See, I'm your mama, and I'm going to tell you something. You don't want to hear, but I'm going to tell you something that you'll thank me later for. But by the way, though, you do get some, some of them grown men wearing, oh, man, pants hanging down. They're called undergarments for a reason. Man, they got them hanging down, and... They're bending over and they're trying to be thugging out and got their head on backwards. Come on, man. You wanted to be an adult when you're a child. Now when you're an adult, you want to be a child. See, I'm not talking about not loving anybody. There's nobody in Genesis chapter 19 that Christians ought not to love. So I don't want you to think that I'm preaching a hate message and saying we need to go out and, and hate people. I'm just simply saying you can't help people if you're not different than they are. And Lot is not only a prime example of hypocrisy and carnality that never pays off, but he's also a prime example of becoming like them never enables us to reach them. If you're taking notes this evening, write this down. An abundant involvement. Old and young. These kids spit off these songs, shh, and they know it too. And you as a parent are trying to figure out where they learned it from. Like, where did you hear? it? Who, who, who told you that? You didn't hear that here. Where did you hear that word from? I mean, you go to Christian school. Where did you hear that word from? That's where they heard it from. Sometimes you hear worse words there than you hear at the public school. Here we're trying to keep our kids from being proselyted and ruined, sending them to Christian school, and some of these Christian schools, good graces alive. they're closer to hell than some of the public schools are. Don't worry. You can quote me on that. God help us. Write this down. An aggressive immorality. These folks, I mean, there is no stopping them. They're standing at the door banging on it. They're encompassed at the city and the house all around them. Where are the men? Where are the men? Where are they? You know what Sodom does? It builds your appetite for sin. Write it down if you would. There was an apparent interconnection with them. What do you mean? Lot? Lot? Lot, where are they? Does it appear to you and to me that these folks were not strangers to Lot? I mean, they knew him. How do you know that they knew him? Because they spotted somebody walking to his house that they never saw before. Which means they've been over his house. Mm-hmm. That's some new people. Ah. Uh. They sharp dress. we never seen them before. They were so used to Lot. How to spot new visitors? There was an apparent interconnection. Then notice what the Bible says. Look with me, if you would, in verse number six. In Genesis 19. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. <laughs> This is even further shows how Lot had some intimacy when he came to them. What I mean, he was closest to them. I don't mean Lot was involved in immorality with them, but he was close to them. Now watch this now. Lot is a child of God. Look who he addresses as brethren. Sodom and Gomorrah. Watch this now. He went out to talk to his friends while God's messengers were in his house. And to protect God's messengers and to make sure they couldn't hear what he said, he shut the door after him and quietly so the angels couldn't hear. Look what verse 7 says of Genesis chapter 19 and said, I pray you, brethren. (laughs) He called them brethren. He said, I pray you, brethren, don't do like we normally do. Not today. I got some messengers of God inside. See, that's the thing about having bad friends. They call at the wrong time. You up there with the child of God standing beside you trying to talk on the phone without giving it away that you're near a Christian, and without giving it away to him that you're talking to a heathen. Uh, uh, at this moment, uh, yeah, uh, what? Uh, uh, the, the phone's breaking up. There ain't nothing breaking up about the phone. What? Now, that's the easy one. Now, here's the bad one. When they talk in person, hey, man. See, I've been around. I know, hey, man. Yo, no, we, we, we going to that, that party this weekend? What? What? What party are you talking about? Come on, man. And the pastor's standing over there looking at you waiting to see how you're going to get out of this one. What? What? you the one who sent me the text message. See, look, here it is right here. <laughs> And what's the pastor doing? He looking at you, waiting for to see what you're going to say. Let's see how you get out of this one, Lot. See, that's what Lot was. That's why some saved people don't invite their lost friends to church. Because they come up here and they say too much. Oh, you bringing them here, but you carrying them with you everywhere. Where are you taking that boy up in the choir lot for? Because I don't want him to talk to any of you, because I don't want you to know what I do when I'm not here. So you going to take them up in the choir loft? Yes. During hands shaking handshaking time? Yo, man, come on. Come up here with me. <laughs> See, we can't play games with God. Lot, bring them out. Bring them. Boom. Boom. Boom, they're knocking on the door. Boom, boom. Open the door. Open the door. Excuse me, angels. Um, something's going out there. I don't know what it is. Let me go check. Y'all can't be doing this. God's people's in there. Guess what? They weren't trying to hear it. And neither will your friends. You ain't going to kick us up on the curb just because you got a little gospel duet going on inside. We're going to play our regular music. And then you go pick up a friend with you and you got a Christian friend in the car and then you pick up a bad friend in the car and what do they do? They get in the car and they turn the radio on. And then you turn it off real quick. You're like, yo, man, why you do that for? Why you turn that radio off? <laughs> no, man, I thought we just talked. Man, we always talk with the radio on and then you pull over real quick. Say, I got to go to the bathroom. You pull them in. And you're like, yo, listen. Don't turn the radio on when we get back in the car. Man, I go to church with that guy. I go to church with that girl. That's your problem. See, that's what they do. See, the world doesn't care. See, the devil understands that when he gets us in a situation that we think we can't get ourselves out, he traps us. And then when he traps us, then we get cornered and then we start making wrong decisions. Write this down. Then notice the appalling invitation. The appalling invitation. Look, I got two daughters. Take them. Guys, guys, watch this now. Anything, anything is better than being exposed. I can't let these angels get caught up in what I'm caught up in. So take my daughters. I'm telling you, I have watched people do this all the time, reckless. They're making wrong decisions because they're influenced by sin. And it's not only crazy in my mind, but it used to be crazy in their mind. I have two daughters. See, the devil will be having you offer your most valuable possession to protect your image. Take my kids. Take my wife. Anything I've known, men go further than you thought they would go. God, do it possibly to keep the possessions of the brethren favorable. Let me tell you this. I can't, I can't let the church know that I, I'm like that. But I'll give you everything I got, anything I got, to keep it from them. Let me tell you something. You can give everything you got, it's still coming out. Notice this an applied irony. They said, stand back. Look at verse number nine. Of Genesis chapter 19. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and he came near to break the door. Hmm. This one fellow said, Lot, you are a judge around here. You know You are an outsider. We need you to be a judge. You know what they're saying. You've been judging us when it came to matters before. And now after you stood and judged us, you're not going to give in to our demands? That's the problem with being a friend of the world. The longer you run with them, the more you think you owe them. Oh, no, we've been rolling with you for how long now? You're going to kick us to the curb? Wow. The applied irony. Write this down. The absolute ineffectiveness. No matter What he said, they came near to break the door. Listen to me. You will not slow the crazy folk down. Are are you listening to me? Some of the kids are trying so hard to get the feel of the world, and and they're trying to be involved because they think they're missing out on something. And can I tell you something, young people? Be careful. Because the world will eat you up and spit you out. You're too soft for that. And that's a compliment. See, I'm not calling you soft to make you feel bad. It's a good soft. See, you've been softened with something called Christianity. You've been softened with something called morals. You've been softened with something called honesty. You've been softened with something called innocence. You've been softened with something called... (laughs) See, you're not spoiled. No, no. You've been placed in an infrastructure that's been intentionally designed by your parents who have been trying to protect you from some of the mess that they found themselves in. Or, no, my friend, nobody's trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your life from you. As a matter of fact, they're trying to save your life for you. So, when your parents are giving you instructions and and telling you yes and no, it's for a reason, trying to keep you from being what they were, trying to keep you from getting sucked up into the world. Let me give you one more thought. Not only was this a sinful climate, but very quickly, just a couple of things a serious call. Well, what's the call here in verse number 3? Look with me, if you will, in Genesis 19, verse number 3. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto the house, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. (laughs) Get out of here. Get out of here, preacher. What do I do if I find myself entangled, engrossed in worldliness, Then hear the voice of God. You say, where is the voice of God? It's in the word of God. Where is the voice of God? It's through the man of God. Where's the voice of God? It's through spiritual people. Where's the voice of God? It's through the Christians. James chapter 5. Get out of there. Notice if you would, the Bible says, but the men, look at it in verse number 10. In Genesis chapter 19. It says, but the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house, to them, and shut the door. Strong pull. That's what I call strong pull. Whew. Thank God for the times in our lives, even when we didn't want to, God pulled us out. Strong pull. Don't sit up in there and act like you, hadn't been, you had it all figured out. You know, we've all gone through some things. We've all seen some things. We've all been in situations trying to figure out how to get out of them. And by the grace of God, he pulled us right out. If it wasn't for God's grace, where would we be? See, you, you're here because you knew every turn along the way. I mean, where it was going to, where you were headed, the traffic site, you, you timed every rail light, you knew every gas mileage you were going to burn. But let me tell you something. Let's be honest. Some of us are kind of a bunch of misfits that landed in this place because of God's grace. Somebody ought to thank God tonight that when you were out in the middle of the streets of the world getting ready to make your worst decision, when you were over your head, you got further than you thought you were going to go, lower than you thought you could fall, and deeper than you thought you could plunge, and the devil was about to lay his clutches on you, and you would have died right there, got buried in the streets, and you would have never made the news. But God's hand reached down in your mess and snatched you out of there, and he's still doing it today. Sometimes he has to bypass your waiver preferences and snatch you anyway. See, that's mercy. See, no matter how far you go, you can't get out of the reach of God. No matter where you think you are, when you think you're by yourself, when you think you're hopeless, when you think that nobody cares, you know, young people, that's the world that brings that into your, your mind and to your... Hearts And even it happens to adults sometimes. We get caught up in something and we don't think anybody cares. But that's that piggybacks what Brother Tyler was talking about this morning. Doubt. You know, the devil loves to put that doubt right in our mind. See, he's snatching you. He's got somebody calling you, somebody texting you, somebody poking you. Get out of there. See, don't ignore those things. You ever been in a situation where you know you shouldn't have been in or been somewhere where you're trying to get out of? I remember, you know, as a kid, you know, when I was in college and uh, I was hanging out with some friends and they decided that they were going to go someplace that I know we shouldn't go to. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to get out of this? I didn't have a car, I, I rode in the, in, the, in the car with them and they were heading somewhere and I'm trying to get back to campus. And that's when the Lord stepped in and he pulled you out. He, he, something happened and I was able to get out of there and I found another ride and, and got back to campus and didn't have to follow them. And you know what? That's by God's mercy, that's by God's grace. See, he'll do that all the time. The question is, don't ignore it. That's the, that's the issue. Don't ignore when he, when he makes that call. Don't ignore when you get that text message. That's God trying to pull you out of there. Look at verse number 11. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. He didn't hurt them. He just smoted them with blindness. What in the world was God doing? Buying Lot some time. Listen to this. I'm trying to get these people off your back because you're too carnal to get them off your back. I'm trying to get them out of there. Watch this now. Lot, I tell you what your problem is. You have moved into Sodom where they already have established a culture of wickedness. You have lost your mind so bad, you're righteous, backslidden saint, that you think you're going to land in Sodom. And rehabilitate the sodomites. Instead of getting your behind out of there. I guarantee you I am preaching to some Christians tonight. You're in there trying to make the world right. I'm not talking about testimony. You can't expect an unregenerate to, be, to do regenerate stuff. Relationships. When you get into those bad relationships and you're like, but Leroy, he, he's got such a good heart. I mean, underneath all of that stuff, I'm talking about, he, 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 he really loves me. I, I have seen so many Christian people cover for sorriness. I, I'm just telling you, the person is not so bad. He's, he's got a good heart. He just don't, he can't, that's why you're still with him. Because you refuse to call it what it is. Yeah, that's why you still go there. That's why you still act like that. That's why you still hang with them. See, you get tired of something, you'll get rid of it. See, you realize that that something is sickness, you'll throw it up. You realize when you get sick and it bothers your stomach, you throw it up? You hear me? Now, God has designed our anatomy that way. When our body does not like something bad enough, it throws it up. And God has designed you spiritually that way. There's too many Christians trying to go to church on Sunday. Hey, y'all, good to see y'all. Come here, sit down, put your feet up, Jesus. We're so glad to hear. Then come Monday, excuse me one second, he in there. I can't do this right now. I got to go to church. Lot, just in that verse, we see hypocrisy. One side of the door, we see two angels. He's hosting them. And then on the other side of the door are Sodomites. He's offering his daughters to. He's playing both sides of the world. I mean, and he's losing at both. Hypocrites don't ever win at nothing. They don't win at Christianity because they're not genuine. And they don't win at the worldliness because they're not genuine. Somebody said to me one time, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there. (laughs) There's hypocrites everywhere. You go to the beach on Friday night, there's going to be some fakes there too. Well, what I do? Well, the best thing for a hypocrite to do, to get right, is to get in church. What do you do with a hypocrite? You hit them upside the head with an unbanded AR-15 called the Bible. That's what you do. You don't just, you just let him have it. I mean, that's the kind of Bible I like. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's going to help somebody. See, the only gun I like to shoot is the gospel gun. Keep it loaded. See, that's like the Bible. It just kind of hits everybody. See, when you come to church, the same message, and you go out of here, and the same God has convicted me about that, and somebody else says, I didn't even hear him say that. No, no, it's all right. It's okay. See, I've been in preaching services, and the preacher never said anything. And I was convinced by it, and I don't mean that he didn't say anything, he said something. But what he said didn't have anything to do with what I was convicted about. See, that's a good thing about preaching. See, the Bible, I hope that every time you come to Open Bible Baptist Church, I hope the pastor is here, but I hope the real preacher shows up. And that's the Holy Spirit. See, I'm preaching a sermon, and he's preaching all kinds of messages underneath the tones. And you get hit with something, and you go, ooh, where did that come from? You, you, you start looking over your shoulder. Don't look over your shoulder. He's inside of you. He's moved in. You got saved. Ouch. Yes. Yes, Uh, what do I do with that ouch? Uh, You come up to the altar and get some neosperm. Or some surgery. Or your prescription. See, I'm telling you, Christians walk out of here with prescriptions every time they come to church. But they leave and drive right past the pharmacy, and they don't fill it. And so they're still sick. Prescription in hand, the medicine still in the pharmacy, and they go right back to the world and wonder why I'm still sick even though I've been to the doctor. Can I tell you something? Going to the doctor didn't never heal anybody. Nobody going to the doctor is not going to get healed. Going to the doctor is to find out what your problem is. Getting healed is doing what the doctor told you to do. See, God gives us a Bible, and I guarantee you, he is one doctor that never misdiagnosed or or misprescribed. One patient. Now you give that some thought tonight. Whose friend are you? See the friend of God or the friend of the world. If you even catch a hand of friendship with the world, listen to them. Angels, get out of here. Get out of there. They have nothing for you. You're supposed to be a friend of God. Brother Tyler, that was good. Listen, that's what it's about. Genesis chapter 19. We've read that passage of scripture so many times how many times have we missed the prescription? How many times have we missed what God was trying to show us to hold this? Lot was a righteous man that was trying to have one foot in the world and trying to have one, one foot in heaven, and he couldn't do it. What's ironic about this Is that's what we do all the time. We don't want to hurt our friends. See, young people, you'll have Christian friends. Adults as well, we have Christian friends. We have unsaved friends. And our unsaved friends don't even understand what it means to be a Christian. And then you ever notice that when you're with your unsaved friends, you don't dress like you go to church. You dress to fit in with them. And I often hear young people say all the time, well, you know, what's so wrong with me wearing this or doing this? I don't have to wear a for the sake of my life, I don't have to wear a tie or, or dress or dress pants to go to church. I don't have to have a jacket suit on. I don't have to have a dress to come to church. No, you don't. But like I said earlier, being like them. Never reached anybody. I don't know about you, but a lot of people have come to church because they wanted something different. They didn't come to church because they wanted the same thing they were getting out in the world. They wanted something different. And if we're not different, then how do they know? How would they know what the truth is if we don't show the difference and what the truth really is? And it burdens me because I see it time and time again and I see Christians and they're telling me the same thing. Well, it's okay, it's okay if I do this. It's okay, what, what's wrong? Let me ask you a question. Who are you trying to represent? Amen. Are you trying to represent God or are you trying to represent the world? When they see you, What do you want them to say, Father, help us. We need to be different. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for this message tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, and how you are still using it in my life. Father, I pray, Lord, that everyone tonight under the sound of my voice heard from you. I pray, Father, that this message, Lord, would reach the youngest heart to the oldest heart tonight. And, Father, may we be a reflection of you. We love you. I love you. In Jesus' precious name.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today.